Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Books in the Biz. I'm Rich Veltri and I'm here with my good friend Dan Paulson. And we're here to talk to you about things that cross over from the books to the biz. So, hey Dan, how you doing? I'm doing good, Rich. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I, um, I think today we're following along with our five kind of points of if you're thinking about getting out of your business retiring, selling, whatever the exit strategy is. I think we're going down our list of the questions that we told people were really important to think about. And um, I think we've moved on to the topic of scalability, correct? I believe we have. Let me just confirm that. Ta-da! All right. There it is. Yes, you are correct. There it is. So Look at that hot car. You got that in your garage, four. right? <laughs> yep. Huh? <laughs> yeah, you, you got that in your garage, right? Uh, that one? No, no. I've got oh. one that's a little bit redder. Okay. <laughs> Wheels are covered, but uh, probably goes about as fast. <laughs> I hear you. Um, yeah, I think this is an important topic that um, from our conversations over, over a long period of time, we've always talked about the fact that, you know, when you're trying to sell the business, you know, you're looking at your financials, you're seeing what you did. And you're seeing um, what multiple you can get off of that to sell it because someone else would be interested in replicating what you've done. But I think there's another piece to it. And the scalability factor comes into the fact that the buyer doesn't necessarily look at your business the way that you do. They look at, look at it more from the standpoint of what can I do with this? So there's a little more forward looking as opposed to the backward looking. Um, backward looking gets you your valuation as of today. Forward looking gets you, well, how can I get to a higher valuation later? Which is what most people are going to do if they're interested in buying your business. Um, you know, from the operations standpoint, do you, do you kind of follow the same logic there, Dan? Or is there something else I need to think about? No, I think you're spot on with that. Uh, you know, when I look at it, there's a couple different areas that come to mind. Uh, you know, we've, we've talked about different types of buyers for your business, and, and this is kind of another variant of that. I believe there are people who want to buy a job, and there are investor buyers. And the people who want to buy a job, typically you see this on smaller companies where they're coming in because they want to, to be the owner of this and to take it over and essentially replace the current owner. Of it, so they're stepping into the operations role, the sales role, the you know every facet of, of the company because they believe that they can take what the current owner has done and they can build on that further. But maybe it's not at a multiple like we typically talk about with say an investor group because the investor group is really looking again at the numbers. What opportunities do they have to grow the business going forward? And, you know, you and I have kind of talked in the past, there's, there's really kind of three different groups that come in, you know, there, there's the innovation side, where they can, they can grow based off of new technology, maybe they can come in and automate. Uh, with that, there, there might be some greater capital investments, but they also see by putting those machines in place that they can develop something that much quicker. Uh, there's the scalability from the volume side. Maybe the new owner understands how to ramp up volume. Maybe they have, uh, you know, a similar uh, 
contact sphere, you know, where they can expand sales dramatically over what the current business owner has done. And then the last one is really the product side of things where are there more verticals, more products that can be added in to get a greater multiple of return? And that's, well, that can happen on both what I would call the, the owner buying his own business versus an investor. Those are really kind of the areas I see from an operation side that are what attract other people in to take the business over. Yeah, I, I definitely have seen the same thing where uh, from, the from the finance side of it, um, you know, scalability is important and they have to look at it from a standpoint of, yes, we want to increase our revenue, increase our profit. And the question becomes, what is it going to take to get those uh, revenues or profits increased? You know, uh, I'll give an example. So if you're selling something that requires a, a handheld uh, customer, so you're out there actually, and you have to actually physically meet face-to-face -to, -face to get these people to buy your product. The first thing that a buyer has to realize is they're going to hire more salespeople. Mm -hmm. So it can't just be, well, I'm going to go and I'm going to sell your product and I'm just going to do it better. <laughs> Nine times out of 10, they can't sell that to their investor group or to whoever is you know, making the final decision on pulling the trigger on the acquisition. So, you know, I've seen it where, you know, you're going into online to, let's say, and you're changing the business to go into online. Um, the cost is different. You don't need five salesmen salaries. You're just looking at the equipment, et cetera, to run a, a bigger or better website. Um, and so. But there is a lot more marketing. So where you might not be paying a salesperson, you might be paying a marketing firm to generate the clicks to get people on your site. Agreed. And that also pushes to um, the fact that these are the alternatives that right. someone that's buying the business, that's the stuff that they're doing. If you think about the fact that the seller, okay, what the seller might be doing to prepare to actually get this up to market and get someone to buy it, they're probably not thinking about that. They're not thinking about where's this business going to go in five years. We're selling, we don't care. You know, it's not it's not on me to think about what are you going to do the next five years? I get you to here and then you figure yep. out what to do. So the buyers are the ones doing these multiple scenarios. Do I need to spend on physical people? Do I spend on a marketing agency? Is the website good enough and it's going to pick up more if I just spend more on the advertising, as you mentioned? You know, they're going to do more than one scenario to decide which one do we think we're going to go with. And that's how they're going to evaluate what they're willing to pay. Now, here's something that just as you're sitting here talking about this, you know, we've been talking a lot over the last several episodes about uh, getting a company ready for sale and whatnot, but we really haven't talked about, and, and it's kind of related to the scalability piece, you know, what does a new owner have to be able to make to justify the purchase of the business? Because to me, there there's a certain cost that the business is going to have, whatever that valuation comes out that is agreed upon by both parties. But you also have to make sure there's enough money in there to pay the new debt that's acquired by buying the business, pay for the new employees that are going to be added or new technology or new equipment, whatever it might be. And then the last step is there still has to be enough profit left over to justify that this spend was worthwhile. Absolutely. Um, that comes down to not only the buyer being able to put together what they think their projections are, but it, it also gets into, you know, the business is almost like it has a life of its own. 
And so it needs working capital. And the question becomes, how much is that working capital? Because a lot of times what will wind up happening is you'll get an offer, you know, for a purchase price. And then at the end of the day, you still have to do that working capital analysis to see, well, how much money do I have to leave in the business? Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of times the, the, the seller forgets that part or in his advisors sometimes forget that part too. <laughs> yeah, because, definitely. You know, they forget to kind of explain that at the end of the day, you know, the business is like a child, you know, the owner had a child and the child is being taken care of in a certain way. And the owner thinks, well, when I leave, the money's coming out of my child. It's coming with me. Um, but you can't leave it starving. You know, you yep. can't take the money out and say you're, you're, you know, it's going to just starve unless the new owner puts in more money. The new owner is not going to like that. Yeah, and, definitely. And they are not going to do that analysis after you close. They're going to do that analysis before you close. And then they're going to say, oh, by the way, you have to leave however much money in the business because we need that for 90 days of working capital. And, you know, some owners get really, you know, surprised by that. I think they're believing that's going to help fund whatever new toys or things they're going to purchase or maybe their vacation once they leave is pulling that capital out and, you know, they'll live off of that for a while and plug the rest of the money in some sort of retirement fund. Yeah. Um, there, and there's more to it too. We, you know, you, you have a lot of discussions that are going to go on. They're going to talk about, well, what about the receivables? You know, we haven't collected the receivables yet. Who owns them? You know, so these are the kinds of things that you do in due diligence. They're going, these, these points are going to come out. Um, and so I don't want to get too far off the topic and kind of want to pull myself back a little bit to the scalability, but this all goes to scalability, right? It all goes right. to the new owner looking at it and saying, you know, what am I going to be able to do on day two? You know, day one, we close, everybody's happy, we all shake hands. What am I doing on day two? What am I doing on day 10? So that's where the scalability comes in. And that's what they're figuring out before they close with you. And that goes back to your point on the financials about the profitability and how much money is in the company when that sale does close. Because they are going to need it to pay employees. They're going to need it to cover loan costs. They're going to need it to do whatever they need to do to also, you know, increase that business because maybe it is going to require some equipment investments. If there's right. no money in there and you've stripped everything except for the assets that basically the company needs to, to work from equipment wise, it's not going to be that successful. And no owner, no future owner I know is going to, to take on something without at least a little bit of financial cushion, which is, again, why they're looking at buying the business. They believe it can be a multiple of something greater than it is now. Yeah. And the, and the, the buyer will also look at it as, okay, I have bought the business for X dollars. And if you strip the money out and the working capital shows that it needs, let's just use round number, $200,000. Mm -hmm. Okay. They're going to take the $200,000 out of your purchase price. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to put that $200,000 in and say, well, here's your, here's your net. Um, again, you're going to be surprised. So we'll tell you right now, don't be surprised. We're telling you in this episode, this is what's going to happen. Um, and if it doesn't, you should be asking, why isn't it happening? You should ask your advisors, why am I not getting a working capital analysis? Why am I not seeing what I'm supposed to leave here? So my little tidbit for today.
definitely ask the question. <laughs> yeah, you definitely need to. Um, and that's why we're talking about this, because you said it well in the beginning. This part of the business is looking forward, which is usually not where that owner is positioning themselves. They've, If they haven't checked out yet, this is the first step in that process of checking out. And in most cases, the owner doesn't really care what the future owner is going to do to increase sales. Now, they might care about the employees. They might care about the name of the company. There's all sorts of other factors that they might put greater weight on. But the bottom line is they still have to be concerned that their company has room for growth because that's the only thing that's going to attract a buyer in. If a buyer can't see any, any way that they can take what's currently built and make it better is a very hard justification to sell that business. It's tough. It's very tough for the current owner to actually kind of look forward like that. Um, I think, you know, I've always looked at it from the finance side. There's, there's even inside of your business, if you've grown it enough, you wind up with two different directions. You wind up with a controller type person that's looking backwards at how did we do and then you're talking about financial results and you're talking about taxes. And then you have the other side that's your FP&A. And if you're staying in the business, you wind up building something that allows you to look forward. But yes, you get to this point and that FP&A person doesn't really matter to you as much anymore because you don't have that forward-looking thinking. Right. And that's that's really the key to to what we're talking about here is – you still have to do enough in those early stages. We've talked, you know, at last episode about timelines. And to me, part of the timeline is as you're busy structuring your business to function without you, you also still have to be looking at making sure the business is creating opportunities for future growth. Whether or not you take advantage of them, to me, is irrelevant. What is important, though, is that you are setting yourself up or you're setting your company up to be successful in the future, because that's going to make it a much more attractive purchase than something that's a complete work in progress. Yeah. I think those ideas tend to be something that you can plant some seeds with your buyers too. Exactly. Yeah. So what are the first steps that you look at when it comes to working with an owner to talk about the, the scalability side from a financial side? What are what are you considering? Um, I think I don't, I don't always have from a buyer standpoint. Yes. So from a buyer standpoint, I'm definitely looking at, you know, where are we up to this point and then seeing, okay, what's my assumption on what I can do going forward? Um, whether it is expansion to the point of being able to have additional Facilities, and I'm using that as an example because we did this with one where, you know, we switched their model. We knew that their model would be better off going from wholesale distribution to online retail. And from there, we were able to build in the fact that the increased volume was going to require certain amounts of additional facilities um, because it was going to require more warehousing space. We were going to bring in more tra- uh, more um trailers, I guess you call them, um, you know, we were going to bring in more of the actual product. So right. we needed more space to house it. 
So we knew what those costs were going to be. We knew that the increase was going to be at least, you know, 20 percent um, in, in a very, very rapid fire fashion. So 20 percent wasn't even for the full year. It was almost 20 percent in like the first quarter. So how did we get into a new facility? How did we get into the next phase of this business? So that's what we were working on the buy side, because on the sell side, it didn't matter as much. It mm -hmm. was, you know, and it wasn't for the seller. It was for what are we going to do with it? So right. on the buy side, it became, this is the expansion model. What did it come out to be? And, you know, it didn't matter that we were able to give this seller a, a much higher multiple than maybe we would have another time because we knew that the growth factor of what we were going to do with it was five times bigger than what we were going to pay them. Right. So it just became natural to build a completely different financial forecasted model that we would know here's what we're going to do. And it became our budget. It became our plan for it, you know, basically taking the business and changing it to something completely different. I think the only thing that really is the same is the logo. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's good that you bring up the planning because, you know, from an operations end, uh, what I'm looking at is, is there a plan? And what sort of plan do you have in place? So for me, one of the first steps I would take with the current owner is there would be a, a strategic plan we would have to create. And I'm not talking about 300 pages of fluff and nothing. It's really a, a working plan that is probably no more than three to five pages. And then from there, we determine what is it that the current owner is going to invest in versus what is it we're doing to build a marketing opportunity to the future owner. So what you had brought up earlier is, you know, we're, we're putting some of this stuff in place to make the company sellable. I used an example last time of, of the house and the foundation and the look and everything. You know, there's people that come in and stage a house they bring in furniture, they bring in, you know, pictures to hang on the wall and everything, because the last thing that sells a house is when everything is completely empty, at least for, for a higher price. Now, when you put furniture in, you give people the potential of what could be here versus what is here. And people tend to then look at that and, and factor in a higher valuation for it. It's really no different on the business side. If you are setting the business up to show that there's an opportunity for growth and that you're putting the pieces in place, to me, that's a more attractive opportunity than somebody who is just says, well, here's ABC company, go ahead and do whatever you want to it. Yeah, I think to your multiple points, they're all good. Um, the, you know, the new plan and you're, you're as the seller, you're planting the seeds for the new buyer. And the new buyer needs to be able to use that and create a plan. And it doesn't have to be quantitative. It has to be qualitative. I've seen too exactly. often where people came in, they, they just, for whatever reason, they just love the business, had to have it, wanted it. And they make a, a, a huge <laughs> offer. And then on day two, they're sitting there and looking at their 350 page plan. And then they can't do any of it because right. for whatever reason, they missed a key factor or they didn't really analyze what they were saying. Um, it's no different than a startup who doesn't really know its market. Exactly. So now you've got, so you've got to make sure that that buyer is, especially if they, <laughs> I hate to throw this wrinkle in there. What if the buyer convinces you to be the financer and the buyer ah. didn't really have, and the buyer didn't really have a good plan. So 
Um, yeah, I don't like those deals, by the way. There's, there's my tidbit for this episode. Um, <laughs> That's a future not, episode that we can talk about. Not a fan. Not a fan. <laughs> you want you want to you want to leave a piece to make sure that you're you know to make sure that the buyer is enticed to hold on to everything and do things the right way and pay you. That's one thing. You want to hang on to the whole thing. Okay, no, I'm not. I'm not, not there. I'm not. Oh, I can tell stories about that one too. Of why that's not a good option. <laughs> I'm sure we both can. <laughs> I'm sure we both can. So, um, but yeah, I think I think you want to make sure that you're. This is where, as the seller, I think you want to be sure that your buyer's real, like they're they really know what they're talking about and they have a solid plan for what they're going to do with your business. You don't necessarily care all that much as long as you're getting your value out of it right you know but you do care that there's no reason for them not to be able to give you all of the value of it so you know so i think that's just a key point of you know qualitative versus uh quantitative is important so in this area there are many factors that owners really need to look at check into and ask a lot of questions about and you're probably not going to know all the questions to ask. And that's where we come in. So Rich, how would they get a hold of you to uh, ask would, those questions? Yeah, I would definitely send me an email at rveltry at veltrygroup.com. And Dan? Well, they can always get a hold of me at danpaulsonletsgo.com. And I'm sure one of the two of us can probably help you figure out more of these questions that need to be asked than maybe you can figure out on your own. So we strongly consider or ask you to consider talking to one of us or another trusted professional that you have that might be able to walk you through this process. So Rich, this has been uh, the fourth of a series of five. So (laughs) any other last parting words you can think of? Um, I think that, yes, definitely put it in your mind, not necessarily in the forefront, but definitely keep in your mind that you will need to probably plant a couple seeds with your buyer. Um, Make sure that the buyer that you select is um is real and is serious and is not going to do something that's going to jeopardize you um and then lastly um you know scalability realize that the buyer is going to do a scenario analysis and take a look at what they're going to be able to accomplish with your business so um that's what they're doing behind the scenes that you may not know what it is but trust me they're doing it (laughs) great advice there well this has been books in the biz you can watch future and past episodes if you go to booksinbiz.com that is b-o-o-k-s letter n-b-i-z.com and we will see you on another episode rich all right talk to you later dan thanks